Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 158 with Bobby Matson of Pay It Off. Really appreciate the time to get into this uh, topic around student financing for higher education, specifically uh, student loans and getting students more informed about them and how they can better manage them uh, to be able to save money and just not have it be something that, uh, you know, hangs over their head, uh, you know, too much as they begin their lives after graduation. Um, there's a lot that goes into this around, you know, better preparing students uh, before they start college and while they're in it uh, to make sure that it is uh, an affordable experience They're making uh, smart choices about, you know, different scholarships and grants and loans to use to fund their education. Bobby has a lot of uh, knowledge about this topic and a personal stake in himself uh, that kind of inspired this journey. So, Definitely connect with him and go check out Pay It Off. Uh, they're doing great work, and uh, there's a lot of great organizations as well that he uh, mentions that we include in the show notes. Uh, brief little note before we get into this episode, though. This will be the last episode before our summer break. Uh, we'll be taking uh, June and July off from posting new episodes. I'll probably push some old episodes out as a rebroadcast just to keep things fresh in the feed, but uh, we will be back with new episodes starting in the first week of August and then go through till the uh, end of November. So keep an eye out for new episodes beginning of August. Uh, but without further ado, and after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 158 with Bobby Matson. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Our topic today, focusing in on student financing, uh, financial aid, student loans, uh, all that. I uh, really haven't spent as much time as we should on it, so I'm very happy to have uh, some time to go into it a little bit deeper. Uh, so we will start out as we always do, let our guests introduce themselves and get into their professional background and how they got to be where they are today. Awesome. Well, my name is Bobby Manson. Appreciate you having me here today, Dustin. Uh, I'm the CEO of Pay It Off. Um, we're a debt management software that helps financial applications offer their customers debt expertise and better financial outcomes, really starting with student debt. Um, this, my background mainly is in uh, um, technical lead positions or engineering. Um, I worked on Groupon and Stitch Fix, Fandango and Prosper, so a variety of different applications at scale. Um, I started Pay It Off many moons ago because my wife and I were struggling with six-figure student loans that was really keeping us from starting a family and keeping us from you know, even thinking about a mortgage. And it was just really at the time, there was no real tooling uh, you know, that was available to applications and no guidance that was really automated for borrowers in this category. So I just sort of scratched my own itch and started building a, uh, a little engine for us that helped us save tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, now we have a three and a half year old and have a house. So like, we're like the walking testimonial <laughs> of that outcome. Um, so yeah, that's how, how I'm here today. Awesome. Yeah. Well, congrats. And that's a, a great uh, origin story there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you come from more of like the technical side, but like this story is very visceral for you. That is the same for uh, many others out there. And yeah, I mean, it just made me think while you're talking about kind of just like the 
complexity and confusion or, you know, just lack of resources and knowledge in this area. Cause it just reminds me of like doing your taxes. Like it's just one of these like very major financial things that every person or many people when it comes to student loans, you know, has to do, but you're just operating with such minimal understanding. Like I don't think we can expect people to really be uh, as fluent as they maybe need to in the ways that they can, you know, go about things smarter. And like you, you said, like save, uh, money in the long run and everything. So um, if you want to give kind of just a little bit more of an explanation of like uh, what paid off does sort of how you achieve those outcomes and everything, uh, just so folks kind of have that context. Yeah, for sure. So we have a variety of tools, the uh, software tools, um, some that are like low code tools that uh, any business can embed uh, debt intelligence into their application. So it takes like 10 minutes to really get this kind of outcome within that experience. Um, and we have an API as well for deeper experiences. Um, you know, and a lot of our customers have really proven use cases and increasing centrality and debt to income for their customers and really boosting that LTV. But the real important thing to note is that the outcome for the borrower is always better. So we designed the whole system for the borrower to save money or have a better financial outcome in some way. So that's really what drives the business is, uh, you know, focusing on how much we're saving borrowers, which is in the millions now, um, since we have over a billion in loan volume on the platform. But there's so much um, to do in every debt, debt category. I mean, I'm excited to, to narrow in on student debt, super personal to me. We also had credit card debt around that time to manage. And there's just the, the debt problem is and the consumer debt problem is just so real. And like you said, visceral for, for a borrower, it can feel very emotional uh and and honestly everyone's basically expected to be a debt expert in their own lives in some way and it's just not realistic you know to have to run all these numbers and you know i i, I would uh, guess almost every borrower out there has some spreadsheet at some time trying to track this stuff and understand it and it's just so uh, difficult to have a, like a transparent experience with that so we really focus on bringing that to any partner that's using our tools yeah, that's great. Um, well, you know, certainly it could be speaking from your own experience or uh, that you've been kind of learning from others. But, you know, this is going to be the big question to kind of start us off. You know, I think so many people see all the headlines are just about the the ballooning number of dollars of the student loan debt and everything. So that kind of makes it very clear mm-hmm. Um you know that it that it is kind of a, a big issue, very complex issue. Because obviously, people have you know lots of loans, or you know huge amounts of loans, or uh, some degree, no degree, uh, you know all these kind of different makeups of like who these people are, and all these sort of things. So, you know, if you had to kind of summarize, you know, we're sort of getting to it already with what we've covered. But like, mm-hmm. what do you believe is like the number one obstacle facing student loan borrowers today? Yeah, I think the real the number one obstacle facing student loan borrowers is definitely uncertainty. Um, you know, what a borrower wants in their experience and what my wife and I wanted was clarity. So how do I get clarity in a couple seconds? You know, because I'm used to buying insurance on Lemonade for, you know, in a minute. And I'm uh-huh. used to interacting with applications quickly and making decisions quickly. So, you know, and having certainty and some level of clarity for what's happening throughout that experience. And the number one obstacle for a student loan borrower especially is, you know, all the uncertainty and not just what what plan I should be on. Should I refi? 
you know, should I prepay? How much should I prepay? So we really focus on answering those questions from a technical perspective um, so that they get the guidance they need, can commit the action, make the extra payment, um, set it and forget it. And so I think right now what you're seeing, especially in student loans, since most of them are federal, around 90% of student loans are federal, like the government's treating this like, uh, you know, forbearance period, uh, very much like a political football because of COVID. Um, and I think we had we were close to resuming payments. I think uh, February 1st uh, was a very realistic date until Omicron hit. So COVID's really brought a lot of uncertainty to the table for borrowers when they don't know when how to make a plan when they don't know when their payment's going to resume. So, you know, borrowers like need a plan and clarity so they don't make costly mistakes and so that they're able to, you know, make decisions about other things. You know, most people don't want to be thinking about it all the time, but if they don't know when even their payments resuming or who their servicer is, it creates a lot of anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's one of those things where like, you know, there's all the servicers that uh, most people are familiar with, kind of the face of their student loans where they go to make payments and everything. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me think too, of just like with these issues, yeah, around clarity and certainty or, you know, uh, any of the, just the, the knowledge around all this, like there just doesn't feel like there's any motivation or kind of incentive for like uh, there to be you know, any way for things to be easier or something, you know, like, I don't know if that makes sense, I guess, from your, you know, you're kind of closer to kind of like the the market here around like uh, Mm -hmm. student loans, but it's just kind of like, you know, they're servicing the loans and maybe they're kind of like getting money either way to just facilitate things. So like, they're not really motivated to make it super clear or easy, or I guess, how do you see that sort of like breaking down, like in terms of just how, how things get to stand right now with these servicers, uh, you know, interacting with the borrowers. Yeah, I think, well, so what I've noticed as a borrower, it's very easy to see the servicer as the bad guy. Um, I see complexity in the system as the bad guy here in a big way for this industry, because, you know, there's 14 different repayment plan options, and maybe there will be two more next year. And there's like hundreds of loan assistance programs. And the, the truth is servicers like are being asked to really facilitate things that they, you know, aren't really set up to facilitate. And I think that they have certain fee structures they've negotiated with Ed and, you know, they're, they, a lot of them have focused on, you know, trying to improve those things, but it's really hard. Like these systems, these, these, these programs are extremely complex and extremely complex to implement. And the, the bad news is that borrowers end up with even less clarity because they're hearing different things from their servicer or Ed because they've made like different decisions on how to implement things. And, you know, I, I do think that the relationship between Ed and servicers is one where, you know, and we, we um, you know, our, um, Scott Buchanan is who's the um, uh, executive director at Student Loan Servicing Alliance, um, who is the liaison between Ed and the servicers. Like we discuss a lot of things like how do we improve the system? You know, how do we improve the way that servicers can interact with borrowers using technology? Um, and it's one of the things we, we seek to be very cooperative with, because what, what happens when you use pay it offs tools in an app and if you're using it in your banking app or, um, you know, you're using it in a financial wellness app. Well, you get that borrower in the repayment when maybe they were close to delinquency or in forbearance. So we're helping get more borrowers in repayment without driving additional costs. They never have to call the servicer, which is a cost to the servicer. So, you know, these are the things we're trying to, imp- to do to improve the system. So that servicers can still do their jobs well, 
and the, the borrower doesn't have a bad experience, they get the clarity. Um, so it's really about aligning those incentives, um, you know, because right now servicers like the call centers have to handle a myriad of requests and like personalized decisions uh, for borrowers. So, you know, I've, as we've gone deeper in the industry and as we've um, worked and been more of a participant with the servicers, I think we've learned that that a lot of the way the, the real like enemy in the system is the system here in terms of the um, the complexity of it, like that complexity is breeding all sorts of problems. Um, and so it's not getting less complex either. It's <laughs> the reality, like the forbearance period made it so much more complex. And now we have all sorts of programs, even operation fresh start, which they announced last week, wiping the defaults of 7 million borrowers, potentially like implementing that is very complex. And there's so many other ramifications for every decision. So, you know, the way I see it, that servicers have an important role to play and, you know, they, the federal complexity is not as attractive as maybe it would have been since we've seen Navient, um, you know, leave the federal loan system. We've seen uh, FIA do a similar thing. So, you know, I think we'll see a lot of different servicers shifting new entrants possibly. Um, we may see like different contracts. Uh, I know Ed is focused on USDS, which is basically the third version of NextGen and is a more consolidated servicing platform. So there's we're going through like a sea of change in student loans and we're just right in the middle of it. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> there is like a lot going on for sure. And I think, <laughs> you know, it is one thing. Uh, yeah, again, that's been grabbing the headlines has been the continued delay of uh resuming payments uh, for student loans, which uh, we were trying to time this episode to be right before uh, May when things were supposed to uh, kickstart again. But uh, as of the recording of this, uh, it's been extended again until the end of August uh, of this year. So um, if you just kind of want to, I mean, you've already talked about obviously like the lack of kind of certainty and uh, clarity for people to plan as uh, repayments keeps getting uh, the, you know, that resumption being delayed repeatedly, mm -hmm. which, you know, I think is good, obviously just more time to prepare the better, I guess. But, you know, what do you see? Obviously, like the, it, I'm sure is more so a matter of months now, you know, like it's it, the, there's kind of the glimmer on the horizon of, you know, these, these payments resuming, you know, what do you see is the impact of that when it does actually resume, I guess, at this point by the end of August? Yeah, I, I see, I do see like, we're going to have, um, major economic impacts. So you you won't see as much like consumer spending or investing. Like the, that's where that money's going now. You, you you might even see crypto take a hit. You know, wildly enough. So like that you're talking about billions a month that is not going to student loans and and will be. So one thing's for sure. Like you know we're going to see uh, an uptick in utilization of federal programs so things like income driven repayment you're going to see a lot of that a lot of exposure and awareness of those programs ease of access um ed's already done a lot of things with the servicers to make those programs easier to access we've done tons with our partners and so there's just um you know there's going to be a variety of confusion I will say, though, if you had asked me a year ago about the impact of the resumption, I would say it would, in the middle of COVID being like very like vaccines just coming out and still a lot of uncertainty with COVID, I would say the impact would have been greater then. You know, borrowers by this time have heard about the student loan payment pause so many times. So every time it's in the national headline, it's reminding them of this 
resumption happening or their student loan payment. So it's not like people don't know or aren't like getting taking steps to get ready. We see we saw like a huge jump uh, had a, in April, um, in early April, compared to the month prior and compared to any prior uh, prior resumption potential resumption of users like restructuring their loans or like committing to a refi or doing things like that were going to, you know, get them set up for the resumption. So I think, you know, contrary to kind of some of the stuff you hear, people like obviously love having more time to like use those funds in other ways. Um, And people on income driven plans and PSLF are really doing well through this because all these periods count towards those programs. So really, really great outcomes for those borrowers. Um, but I think that the that you're gonna, when payments resume, it's like, everyone's gonna wanna know at the same time, like, what do I do about my student loans? And what do I do about my payments? So that is gonna be uh, something we've never seen before in financial services, like over 40 million people resuming uh, a debt vertical at once, uh, never happened. So uh, I think there's gonna be things we can't even predict. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it is going to be quite a wild time. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it works out, I guess. But exactly. yeah, there's definitely going to be a pretty big, pretty big spending impact for sure. Um, and I think, you know, with payments resuming and everything, I'm curious to see how much of uh, kind of a demand for or just kind of a paradigm shift there will be with uh, employer benefits, because I know there was also and kind of buried in one of these sort of uh, COVID relief bills around trying to incentivize student loan repayment benefits for employers and having that be, I don't know, and I'm probably using this term wrong, but like a tax write-off or something, you know. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, how do you see like employer benefits playing into this space? Because I think, you know, just broadly in education, it has been a very kind of trendy headline to see, you know, employers funding students to go to college. But obviously a lot of people still have student loan debt uh, before they maybe worked at a place that had that benefit. So it's like, you know, would they sort of have that parallel where it's like, we'll either pay for you to go to college or maybe help pay for uh, your loans uh, that you had kind of coming in. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts because I'm just super interested in this as like a potential benefit. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think we'll see employers make a massive contribution here, like quite literally, <laughs> like financially. Um, like they're definitely the most incentivized for their employees to improve their financial outcome out of a lot of the participants we see. And now that the benefits tax deductible, you brought up, um, it was the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. So the CAA 2021 that had, um, student loan payments, uh, were basically lumped into the tuition assistance program so that, uh, employer making contributions, um, could have a tax deductible, um, right off up to 5250, like they would in tuition assistance. So that is in market now. And we see a lot of employers adopting student loan benefits in a way that we never saw before. So we're expecting to see even more because the Secure Act 2.0 that just passed the House with bipartisan support um, makes it even easier to implement these programs. So we're just going to see high, high employer participation. And I fully expect it to be a core benefit, like a 401k in no time. Um, in fact, like you know, one of the one of the um, one of our partners, Chipper, the founder Tony, was one of the first folks to say like 401k for student loans way back when when he started Student Loan Genius. So this is something that's been in the works for like over ten years to get legislation passed, and now that it has, I I don't think we'll see an end to it because 
this is a very attractive benefit for an employer and it's a win-win for everybody. Um, and so, you know, you're encouraging participation, you're encouraging repayment, uh, the borrower benefits, you know, and they start to get more active with their 401k. Again, the, the clarity of, you know, should I prepay is where we fit in that equation. You know, we help, we've, we've powered a ton of student loan benefits platforms at this point, um, help people spin them up into their existing, uh, you know, workplace benefits. Um, so we often, we see a lot in this space. We don't work directly with employers. Usually we'll work with whoever is working with the employer. Um, and so we, we see a lot of different types of program designs. Um, people are getting much more creative in this space. So I think it has a long road ahead of it. So workplace is one of the most exciting categories for us. And I think for borrowers, cause you know, they just win at the end of the day and it's, it's a big retention boost for the employer too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I, it's reassuring that you're uh, so optimistic about uh, this getting implemented because, yeah, I think it'd be such a powerful kind of lever uh, to have and to just help people be more balanced in terms of uh, having their student loan repayments uh, either like subsidized you know, or just outright right. paid for, you know, and they can kind of just not have to worry about it. Um, and uh yeah, so I look forward to hopefully seeing more splashy headlines around that, just as many as we've seen around, uh, you know, employers giving kind of full tuition coverage. Yeah, uh, for their for their employees. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I'm curious, you know, what advice you would give to hired professionals to help their students navigate all this complexity. Obviously, it's it's going to be a very, you know, individual circumstance, you know, for each student as they're navigating their finances and how they're funding uh, their education and everything, but. I'm just curious your perspective of like, you know, how much they might be able to kind of do proactive engagement or um, things to kind of help maybe educate their students while they're in college about um, these sort of financial matters. Yeah, I think, you know, advice to give higher ed professionals um, to navigate the complexity. So the what I would say first is that if you have a student who has a lot of debt already, say they're like halfway through school and even undergrad, They've got, um, they're carrying a fair amount of debt. It's it's um, important not to just like rely on spreadsheets or like some other manual way to help them forecast it. I mean, you can go to payitoff.io and see a bunch of our partner apps. We have a whole list there um, with some of our partners and just, you know, use one of those and to help them forecast what they can do. I would definitely encourage them to look into nonprofit work if they seem interested in that because that, there's a lot of... Um, benefits such as the public service loan forgiveness program if they're looking into teaching uh, there's the teacher loan forgiveness program so almost every occupation and every state has some loan assistance program uh, so i would definitely say that's going to be a great place to start so they don't feel so overwhelmed as a student in what their payment will be and if they'll be able to handle it and there's just it creates a lot of anxiety especially getting closer to graduation um, and i also would say at the front, you know, when they're really starting to get to school and they're really excited about Welcome Week or they're really excited about just getting to classes and registering, um, you know, they're, they're going to be in a position where they might start like borrowing a lot. They won't really maybe understand what they're borrowing. So the best thing I, I, any higher ed professional can do in that situation is just not encourage heavy, heavy borrowing, like get creative on scholarships, get creative on alternative ways to finance the education. Like student loans really should be a last resort as the, you know, they really do limit co future career risk a student can take. 
uh, down the line, which really limits their earning potential, which does eventually affect the school. So I think um, it's, it's right now the way it's set up is a little bit different, right? Because federal financing for, uh, for schools is really tied to the default rate in, in student loans, the cohort default rate, which right now is not going to be, it's going to be five years where there really isn't going to be a lot of visibility into that cohort rate. So I think for schools, usually it's like we, they really are focused on getting the student to graduate, getting them to pay, be able to pay tuition and succeed in their careers. And now that student loans have gotten to this point where the borrowing is so extreme, you know, students taking on like crazy amounts of private loans at crazy rates, um, you know, anything they can do at the front of that to really finance it in a different way will help them allow them to take more career risks later. So I think there's kind of two things there. There's the, you know, leveraging existing tools to help them navigate it and feel a little better about exactly like what kind of debt they're in the middle of taking on. And then there's just also like straight up, try not to take many loans <laughs> when you're in school, like take as least amount as possible. Um, because even if it, you know, it, it can really have damaging effects for a borrower, even mentally, getting out of school with that debt load, seeing your, your first monthly payment, which the one they give you is a standard 10-year payment. It's also your highest federal payment possible. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're overwhelmed when you graduate and you get that email and you're like, how am I going to make that payment? And so it's, it's important to not like encourage people to get a job they hate or enter a career they don't like, or, you know, if you really want to focus on the bar on the student having the best outcome, it has to start with just visibility into like how much they're borrowing and how much would that affect them later? Yeah. Um, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot there because I think broadly stuff like this is like kind of the life skills that I think a lot of students reflect and, feel like they didn't really get as much as they wanted, you know, they feel kind of ill prepared for, uh, you know, navigating all these sort of things. And I'm like, you know, and I'm sure some campuses do it, but I'm like, you know, I have one person as part of a financial aid office that just focuses on programming and education and, you know, that they could like set up one-on-one -on -one time with students and stuff like that, because there's just so much to know here and to make smart choices on the front end that just allow for you to, you know, not be so overwhelmed on the back end once you graduate and start those repayments and everything. Because I think so much of like any financial aid office at institution just to think so much of it is just focused on the facilitation of distributing aid uh, mm -hmm. versus like engaging with students and everything. So it'd be uh, cool to see, you know, where that may already be in existence or way where, you know, places kind of adopt something like that. But yeah, I mean, that, that, I think is a big takeaway as well as like, if you make smart choices, you know, while you're in college, then it just makes it a little bit easier to, to manage mm -hmm. uh, once you graduate and like having, you know, the repayment plan that you want set before you start payments versus just the right. default option and those sort of things. Like hundred percent. And honestly, even just knowing like who your servicers are and like how, like how to like access that information. And there's just like, there's a lot of one-on-one eh, one that really needs to happen in school. Uh, and I think a lot of schools do invest in default management programs, things like that. And so, you know, I, I think that we've seen a little less of an emphasis on it now, mainly because of COVID and, you know, 
lots of other focuses that schools have had to deal with. So um, it hasn't been as clear and like payments being on pause, it has not been as uh, big of a focus. But what we did, we actually queried our, our data over the past couple months and we found that a lot of the, uh, about 26% of the restructurings were from folks who had never made a payment during COVID. And about 10% of all borrowers have never made a payment um, during COVID. So you're looking at like almost two to three times as much as many people like really focused on like that are recent grads on our system. So that shows you that like people in younger folks and people that have recently graduated are really focused on this. Like they're really focused on figuring out their payment. They're really focused on making sure they have some clarity. So I think the more you can bring that up front in the school, the better they're going to feel. Um, and we've seen that there's a lot of great platforms out there. I mean, we work with Scholarly. They're an incredible scholarship automation platform for students. Um, and there's a, a host of other sort of FAFSA automation focused companies like Frank and, and Moe's. So you're seeing like uh, a lot of tools available in school and then when you graduate too. So I think um, that's the good news in all this is that there's a variety of tools now that six, seven years ago just did not exist. Well, and I appreciate you uh, name dropping a couple of uh, those folks there. Because, um, yeah, I mean, uh, at this point, you know, as we're winding down, we like to always give the opportunity to share up uh, resources so we can link out to stuff in the show notes, obviously ways to connect with you and uh, pay it off. But any other like books, podcasts, articles, things that uh, you feel like would be uh, just relevant resources for this topic? You know, uh, there's a lot of great resources. I would definitely say anyone uh, we're working with is really going to be focused on on the clarity and the guidance uh, side of this. So, um, you know, I definitely look at payitoff.io and all of our partners there. Um, there's other folks, uh, you know, that I would just look at in the industry. So student loan planner, Travis, we were, I was on his podcast recently and very good, great resource uh, on the ground. He does a lot of things outside of student loans now, but great resource, great team there. Uh, Definitely would recommend them. Um, but yeah, I think if you're looking at, uh, you know, a tool, a piece of software, um, any of our partners, I think, are going to be a um, really good choice to explore. Um, if you're more, say, uh, focus on the public um, uh, public service side of, side of things, Chipper, who I mentioned before, one of our partners, excellent experience working uh, with tons and tons of teachers and nurses and folks that really are getting amazing outcomes in their app and future fuel similar example where they're working with employers and they work with the borrowers directly and they do all sorts of different things to help borrowers restructure um, and have a lot of like awesome partners so there's just a, a lot of different examples um, from partners at ours of ours that i would definitely encourage uh encourage folks to check out um, and, uh, you know, whether you're in the workplace and, uh, you're looking at, Hey, where do I like work that has student loan benefits? Um, like that's another, another, um, opportunity there is uh, a great resource. I know there was, um, uh, I think Goodly has a list I could share it after of like all the employers that offer student loan benefits or something like that. So those are other resources that can help. Um, so this is just a few that come to mind. Yeah, and that'd be great to have if you can uh, share the link because I'd be interested in perusing it myself. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, our final question here, always just kind of like to give the floor to our guests uh, a final thought or call to action on this topic to end the episode. I feel like we've covered a lot of great stuff, but uh, yeah, just however you'd like to uh, wrap it all up. 
Yeah, I think the, the important thing to call out is that there are so many different pieces of technology, so much better technology that exists for borrowers today. And the truth is, we just need them to have access to it. So, you know, it's really important to focus on this problem, not as just a checkbox. Uh, you know, this is like a key thing that exists in a borrower's life. Um, and now we're in this moment where we're really pushing the envelope uh, and there's a lot of different companies, even other debt API companies coming out um, that are really focused on, on similar aims of achieving better outcomes for borrowers. So we're just excited for the space, but also like, it's really important to note that like the technology is improving, which means the apps will be improving, which means there's lots of options for borrowers. Like we want, really, really for there to just be access to better outcomes everywhere. And that's what that's what borrowers need. They, the same thing that happened to me can happen to every borrower. So that's what we're here for. Oh, yes, very well said. And I appreciate you and others uh, committing to this work and uh, just so glad. I mean, like, yeah, you're, you're, like you said, a success story and that uh, other folks have been able to uh, benefit from your help. So uh, just thank you so much for your time and all that you shared. And uh, like I said before, we'll have ways to connect with you and uh, all the things that you mentioned in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, just great chatting and uh, so glad we had the, the time to explore this very important and relevant topic. Awesome. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek podcast.